let's see, every year our church does an annual meeting. It's the business portion of important stuff, like important stuff for the church. And this Sunday, that annual meeting, the business portion, uh, happens at noon, like we said earlier, and then you, you know, bribing you with food, notice these round tables, like grab a table, grab some food, and we'll feed you as we talk through the business portion. It's important stuff, and um, so, but, but, you know, we thought, you know, a couple of years ago, it was like, hey, you know what, instead of just doing this annual business meeting after service, like most churches um, do once a year, we decided, what would it look like to turn this whole Sunday morning into an annual party? And the party means um, during the message and this time here, what we want to do is celebrate by looking back at 2022, and we're going to celebrate what God has done amongst uh, the Hope people in this past year. Um, But the way I want to get to that actually connects to this Luke series that we're jumping back into in full next, next week. Um, But this series we're doing on the book of Luke, because in Luke chapter 3, which we'll get to in a moment, we come across a character um, named John the Baptist. John the Baptist. And there's a little imaginative. There you go. That's uh, in the chosen. That's what they imagine maybe John the Baptist looked like. And I love that Jesus' disciples behind his back call him Crazy John, because I think that's probably about right. Yeah. Now, some of you, you know, know know your Bibles pretty good, so we'll let you play along here. Um, um, what are some of the things that we know about John the Baptist? For instance, uh, his parents. Anybody here? What about his parents? Yep, Elizabeth and Zachariah. They were, they were like young people or they were very old people. In fact, uh, uh, Elizabeth was well past having children, so this was kind of a miracle birth. Uh, if you read the story, it's actually the first story in the book of Luke. It's the first story that we come to is this before we get to the birth of Jesus story, Right? All right, so um, what else do we know? Um, who, who was John the Baptist? Who was his cousin, famous cousin? Oh, man, those are the easy answer. Good to go. It's like Sunday school. We'll have a few of those answers. If you don't know, you can just shout that out. That helps you, right? Um, what sort of ministry did John the Baptist have? What was he known as? He was a baptizer, a prophet, a preacher. Yeah, he was kind of this prophet preacher guy. Uh, anyone know where he did this odd ministry? Near the Jordan River, he was out in the, yes, in the wilderness, out in the desert, middle of the desert. People had to go a long ways in the middle of nowhere to hear him preach. And, and um, so at the Jordan River, he, he baptized people. He preached repentance. Um, all right, here's two softballs to close out our John, get to know John the Baptist. Um, who did he baptize that became kind of well-known? Oh, there we go. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, he also prepared the way for someone named... Oh, man, you guys, you guys are so good, so good. So. Well, Luke, um, again, next week we'll embark on the full series, but Luke chapter 3, verse 2 tells us that the word, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice calling in the wilderness... Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So there's John the Baptist. He's a prophet. And from what we know, at least in scripture, um, 
there had not been a prophet for quite a while. Uh, it had been hundreds of years since the last recorded, what we call the Old Testament, the last recorded or recognized prophet had appeared, like a legit prophet. And it had been hundreds of years of silence, and then along comes John the Baptist. Well, this was a really big deal, because um, people actually wondered when John the Baptist showed up, if he was... Elijah, because Elijah was like known as the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. And um, anybody remember how Elijah was, he didn't die, he was taken up. There's a whole other story, right? So they thought, okay, he's going to come, yeah, chariot of fire. He's going to come back, they figure. He's going to show up one day because he hasn't died yet, right? So they thought, oh man, is John the Baptist actually Elijah come back to life? So he was a powerful, powerful teacher. In fact, everybody came out to hear him, even though he was kind of harsh. Um, even King Herod, we learned, liked to listen to him speak, even though, at, for Herod, John the Baptist like called him out for stealing his own brother's wife. Herod's, right? Uh, he got called out for that. And later, Herod, who enjoyed you know, hearing John the Baptist, later uh, was the one who had John the Baptist beheaded, but apparently he was a fan at one point. So... Um, the cool, important thing about that that I find fascinating is what that meant for Herod, who's a king, is that he had to travel out into the middle of the desert, out into the wilderness, just to hear John preach, right? Because there were no podcasts, there was no television. If you wanted to hear someone preach, you had to actually show up. And that says something for a king to go out to the middle of nowhere to hear him preach. Mark, Mark chapter 1 adds an important detail. Um, Verse 5, the whole Judean countryside and all, all, all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And just that phrase there, like, hey, listen, all the people, right? It's like Mark's amazed at how big the crowds were. It was like, ev it was like everyone showed up, guys. And some scholars estimate... So the, the population of that area was about 500,000. Some scholars estimate that, that 100,000 200,000, up to 300,000 people came out to hear John the Baptist preach without stadiums, without sound systems, without advertising or social media. And it's like, can you imagine that? Like, like, like John might be one of the most successful and popular preachers in all of history because just the percentage of the people in that area that he preached to, it's astounding. And again, he was so popular that these rumors started floating around. Not only that he might be Elijah, eventually they said, wow, maybe John's the Messiah. This is before Jesus has shown up. And so people started wondering, you know, is John the Baptist the chosen one? And he probably preached to far more people than Jesus ever did in Jesus' earthly ministry. So John could have the temptation to think he was a big deal. But he had so much humility. Look at Luke uh, 3, verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly. They were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah, but John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John here, he's as famous as he is, and as highly as everyone thinks of him, he knew why God had called him. God had called him to point to the Messiah, to point to Jesus. He actually preached against the kind of celebrity they were trying to make him into because John the Baptist knew that it's all about Jesus. 
And his ministry was all about pointing to Jesus, which I just think is such a great example for the church uh, today. Um, because it can be tempting, especially in the day and age and culture we live in, it can be really tempting to point to not Jesus, but a church and the great work that ministry is doing or the pastor and make it all about that person or pastor or that church or that ministry. But, but John the Baptist here is such a great reminder. We want to take our cues from him and do what he did because John the Baptist was saying, hey, as big as things look, like I'm not the big deal. Jesus is. I'm just a pointer, and I point people to Jesus. And for us today, we want to say the same thing. Like, hey, you and I, you don't need a hero other than Jesus. What you need, what I need, we need a lot of pointers. And there's a lot of pointers, but there's only one hero. Now, I just want to say, you know, I'm all for giving honor to people who have impacted us. Um, I love honoring the people in my life, my mentors and teachers and folks that have really uh, pointed me to Jesus. I'm so grateful for their work in my life. I would not be who I am without several of the mentors in my life. And I apparently need lots of pointers, and maybe you do too. But let's remember that how much, you know, how, how much ever we love any pastor or church or ministry or whoever, let's just remember that they are pointers, and that Jesus is the hero of the story, amen? And on a day like today, and this is part of why I bring this up, a day like today where we're having this kind of party, we're celebrating what God's been up to in our past year here at Hope, uh, it can be real tempting to make our church or our leaders here the hero of the story, like that, that it's all about our church and how great Hope is or how great our volunteers or leaders are, and I think our leaders and volunteers are great, but it's not about that, it's all about Jesus, and we have to remember that what we get to do is point to Jesus. See, our church is all about Jesus. It's about pointing to Jesus. And so with that whole idea as our, as our backdrop, I want to do something very different with the rest of our time this morning when, I, when I'm normally talking, we do a sermon, a message, but, but um, I want to spend this time even setting up toward the, toward the annual business meeting part later, um, but I want to spend this message time um, as a celebration uh, talking about the ways that Hope Covenant family has followed Jesus this year and how we keep pointing others and how we keep pointing each other to Jesus. And so this talk, I want it to be a, a celebration, a reminder that every year we get to throw a party and cheer the ways that our church family has followed Jesus and pointed to him. But here's the thing, like, especially this week, I need your participation on this second service, okay? Um, when I get done, highlight, because what I'm going to do is highlight some of the different areas and ways that we as a church have been able to point to Jesus. And when I get done with an area, I want you all to say, yay, Jesus, and clap like crazy, okay? All right? I mean, is it okay to have some enthusiasm this morning, today, right? I'm not asking you to get too crazy, you know, like you might behave at a Suns game or a Cardinals game, okay? So, but maybe, you know, some little, little, little measure of that. Um, so here, let's just practice with a yay Jesus. Ready? Yay Jesus! Ooh, that's not bad. Oh, I like the clapping too. Yeah, that's good. All right. We're pointing to Jesus, clapping for Jesus. Yay Jesus. All right. Whew. All right, here we go. Um, our big three. We're going to start with our big three. Uh, we, we do what? Here, it's on the screen for us. We do what? We love God. Love others, follow Jesus together. 
Now, one of the things that happens when we love others and we follow Jesus together is that we do discipleship in community. We're following Jesus together. That's where discipleship happens in community. And we know that we can't just throw a word like that up there or a phrase and expect it's going to happen automatically. We can't assume that, you know, okay, well, then everybody's going to get discipled in community. So we want to make sure that there are ways that we uh, are able to be together. And one of those ways, and too often it's the one that gets overemphasized, but one of those important ways is this Sunday morning, and I'll just say, I think Sunday morning, and I'm not going to talk much about Sunday morning, but I think Sunday mornings are very, very important. I think, Doug's opinion here, is that it's important to make it a priority in the life of every Christian um, and say, you know, for yourself, like, hey, part of my rhythm of life is that I show up on Sundays, I worship with the family of God, um, and it's not always about me getting something out of it. As a consumer, um, sometimes, thank God I do, but it's not about that. Um, sometimes I need to go, and maybe not even to serve directly, although we love our serving teams, but maybe I need to be there and just be open that somebody else might need me to have a word for them or a, a handshake or a hug or just to be present for them. And there's many reasons um, to make it a high priority to just say, hey, that's what we do. This is what we do. Sunday morning, we gather. So... That's one thing, but too many times, especially Western church, that's all it is. It's just Sunday mornings. Get everybody here on Sunday mornings. Um, the problem is we know that, yes, we need Sunday mornings, but we also need smaller circles than this if we really want to connect and go deeper with people. So it's a both-and kind of deal, right? It's a both-and deal. We need Sunday morning, yes, and we need smaller groups. So here at Hope, we emphasize, as you know, if you've been around at all, we emphasize small groups as a way of following Jesus together. Um, this year, uh, Joanna Allhands and Heidi Glenn became the co-directors, and we now have nine excellent groups meeting across the East Valley. And, and again, if you've been around, you've heard us say the phrase that we want to be a church of small groups, not just a church with small groups. So how do we know if we're actually moving toward being a church of small groups? Well, typically, um, a, a church would say, hey, if you're doing small group ministry, your goal would be to take the average of your Sunday morning attendance uh, and then hope to get half of those folks, that number, involved in small groups. And, and again, the folks that really work on this, they say if you hit that 50% mark, it's going great. You're becoming a church of small groups. And you know me, I don't think that numbers mean everything, okay? But if we use that formula, that little kind of measuring stick, according to that equation, over 80% of our people are in groups of one kind or another. So not 50, yeah, 80, yeah, there we go, right? That's worth, good right there. Yeah, Jesus. I actually told a pastor who's kind of helped coach our our, our leaders and small groups folks, I told him that. I sent him an email this week like, oh, I wanted him to know. Like, hey, this thing's, it's working, right? And, and uh, he emailed me back right away and said it immediately, as soon as he read that email of what God is doing here at Hope, it brought him tears of joy because it's such a big deal. It's such a big deal. And we're on our way to becoming a church of small groups. Now, one of those people who found connection that way, um, a new person to our church, Vanessa. Vanessa, on her first Sunday at Hope, we announced these 
new seasons of small groups. Let's see. There we go. Vanessa's on the left. We announced the new season of small groups, and she thought, you know, it's my first Sunday here, but I want to get connected. So she bravely signed up and started going to a group and, and started getting to know people in this group. And she actually wanted to make sure that Hope was a place she could feel, feel like she belonged. And when we talked um, this week, she told me that Hey, if you're a new person, she wanted new people to know, hey, one of the great reasons to join a group, especially if you're a new person, is that it becomes way easier to find somebody to sit with at church on Sunday when you're new, right? Because now you finally know people. And I thought, that's really good. That's really good. Um, she also kind of alluded to our No Perfect People sign outside there, and, and she pointed out that that applies in homes too. She said in a home, like in a group, there's a higher level of comfort because you're able to be yourself which also helps you get to the bottom of each other's quirkiness sooner, right? (laughs) Some of us are like, oh, yeah. Like, we all realize that we have stuff and that nobody's perfect. She reminded me this. She said that being real like that with each other, being real gives people a greater sense of belonging and acceptance. So... Hope family, small groups are helping us follow Jesus together. It's our primary way that we disciple each other. So can we celebrate this and point to Jesus with a yay Jesus? Yeah. All right, next one. In 2022, we started running Alpha again, and two of the stories that came out of that are from Vicki and from Mallory. First one, Vicki, you may recognize Vicki. She's in the purple here in the middle. That's Vicki, and she'd been through Alpha a few times before, but this last time she went on, there's a retreat component, like kind of near the middle end, where the real focus is on the Holy Spirit, and she went... And she actually just opened herself up. We actually heard part of her story on Thanksgiving Eve where she did her testimony right up here. And she just opened herself really for the first time to the Holy Spirit. She was filled with the Spirit, and she says it's drastically changed her life. Her daughter says, I mean, that's saying something. If your daughter says that it's drastically changed your mom's life... You know that's really, yeah, yay Jesus right there for sure, right? And, and she would tell you, again, what she's told us, like, hey, there's still work to go. There's things God's doing. There's things he's still changing. But she's had a breakthrough and freedom and joy in so many areas that she feels like a new person. So that's one awesome story. Another awesome story that I love. There we go. Mallory's in the middle of this here. Um, I couldn't find any. Mallory's right here. I couldn't find any pictures of you. I maybe should have Facebook stalked you. Yeah. So we got this one here of you. Um, And Mallory always makes me smile because I think when she first showed up, she wasn't sure about all these church people. So those are my kind of people, right? I'm with you. I'm not sure about the church. No, I'm just kidding. Sort of, not really. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, um, uh, Mallory wrote this uh, to us. She said, uh, when I first started Alpha, I thought it would just be cool to, you know, kind of hang out with my friends, get to eat free food and learn about Jesus. But she said, now Alpha is a place for me to continue to learn not only about God, but to learn to love others and to learn how to lend a helping hand. She wrote, Alpha has helped me find a sense of purpose in this crazy world and has made me a better person. I truly feel different, and I wouldn't be where I am in life right now without it. So, Hope family, can we celebrate these changed lives that point to Jesus with a yay Jesus? Yeah. All right, I want to talk about um, what we called Fellowship Sunday. Uh, And if you've been around Hope the last 
five years since I've been here, we really have tried to pay attention to, to listen to folks from backgrounds that might not be the same as the predominant one that many of us come from. A lot of conversations on race and things uh, of, of that nature. And for me, just to do more than just conversations or talk about it from here, um, has been to uh, develop an intentional relationship with a man who has become a good friend of mine, uh, Pastor Jason Turner, who uh, is a pastor of a church here in Chandler, their predominantly black church, Christian Faith Fellowship. And so we just developed this friendship, and then we decided after a couple years or so, like, hey, it's probably a few years of knowing each other, we want our friendship to be more than just the two of us having a meal every couple of months. So last spring, we joined these two churches, their church and our church together, for a worship service, combined team, and Jason preached up here, and we did a barbecue cook-off lunch together. I mean, anybody remember that? Anybody remember that? That was fun, right? That was fun. That was a highlight for lots of us. We're actually doing it again six weeks from now, March 19th, so be here March 19th. We're going to do it again. Um, so when we were here, he noticed our baptism tank and was like, man, we have been a church now for seven years, I think, at that time. We've never had a baptism. Can we borrow your tank? And I was like, yes, we can do that. And then we got thinking, Brittany and I got thinking, and, and we're like, hey, wait a minute. How about you guys join us for our pool rental and bring your church, and we'll all do a pool party together, and we'll do baptisms as well. And so we had a couple few people get baptized and they had a whole slew of people get baptized. In fact, um, those of us, anybody remember, was anybody there from this circle? Some of us were there. Uh, there was a massive storm that we could see coming. We could see the lightning. That was like, oh, man. But we, we were able to get the last people, you know, dunked and have about 30 seconds to swim again before we had to, like, empty the pool. So, um, but it, it, it happened. Um, and we're going to do that with them again this year. Uh, and so I just love that we get to gather with a church that, that maybe has a different style, um, uh, some different culture, but we know that they love Jesus and that we love Jesus, and we both want to make sure we're taking steps to do things that might be stretching us because it's way easier to just do the same thing every Sunday morning and instead of trying to work together to coordinate events sometimes together or, or worship together. But we, we, we want to do the work because we think it's worth it. We know it's worth it. So can we celebrate this and point to Jesus with a yay Jesus? Yay, yay Jesus. Yeah. How about our women's ministry? Um, uh, yeah, early last year, had a women's conference, and then uh, Pam Carlberg and her team led women's Bible studies in the spring, in the fall. They did a summer breakfast thing in the middle. And, and I love hearing stories, especially about new women that get connected at this Wednesday morning Bible study. Um, they feel included. Uh, they feel welcomed, which for us is like nothing new. That happens here. It's part of our DNA here at Hope. But um, sometimes, folks, um, I guess that's just not always the case at other places uh, where, where any groups of people come together. Um, and, and there's one lady, her name's Madeline, and she talked to me a few months ago after she had come to the women's Bible study for a little while, and she was 
brand new. She was telling me how excited she was to be here at Hope. And, and she was invited by Karen. And Karen, and um, we guys walking? You were out somewhere? Yeah, so we were out walking, and she invited her. And, you know, Madeline had these experiences. She told me something like, you know, I've been at these women's groups before at other churches. Felt like I wasn't welcome at best, and maybe even at worst, that they didn't want me there at all because I was new. So she was, you know, like, uh, she came, but she came in with low expectations. And Karen wasn't here. They didn't drive together. So Karen was not yet here. Madeline shows up, walks in, and comes in. And no surprise to us, but a surprise to her, she said she was so excited because other women that didn't even know her just welcomed her right away. And she immediately felt like she belonged there. And it was important that, to them that she was there, and that, which is such an important thing, right? Um, and by the way, it's not just her. We hear this story repeated in the women's group, but in other groups at Hope as well. Um, I talked to her husband, Madeline's husband. She brought him along. And on the phone this week, he told me that they had been looking for a church for a long time. And they're so glad that they found this one. So, Hope family, these women are helping each other follow Jesus together. Can we celebrate the way that they point to Jesus with a yay Jesus? Yeah. All right, I'm going to move a little faster. Uh, Crescendo started this year. Uh, Crescendo is our community for adults age 60 plus. They meet monthly for lunch. They laugh a lot. They have some other things they're developing as well. Uh, Stacy Heimke is one of the leaders. She told me their goal is to live out the acronym SPICES. So I better read these and get them right. Spiritual, physical, intellectual, community, emotional, and service, they want to live out that acronym together. So can we celebrate the way these guys are pointing to Jesus with a yay Jesus? Yay. Yeah, yeah. Now, on the other end of the generational scale, we have our kids' ministry. And in 2022, our kids' ministry team continued loving our kids teaching them about following Jesus together. Uh, Brittany led our team in ministering to over 50 kids at our summer day camp, a.k.a. VBS, uh, and many of those kids were from the neighborhood and the nearby apartment complexes. Um, that's a pretty huge deal. Um, every Sunday, our kids are learning uh, about God. I love this one. They're learning to pray and to hear from God. And I stop and some of us are like, wait a minute, kids? Little kids are learning how to hear from God? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course. Like, you know, there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's like only <laughs> the Holy Spirit full strength available to all of us, right? So our kids are learning to hear from God. They're learning scripture. They're learning that God loves them as they are. And as you know, Brittany is handing off that uh, ministry to our new kids pastor, Brianna Bramble, uh, but Hope Family, our kids team of volunteers, they're helping our Hope kids love God and follow Jesus together. So can we celebrate the way they point our kids to Jesus with the yay Jesus? Yay. <laughs> now speaking of our next generation ministries, uh, Epic Youth is our ministry for teenagers, and they work really hard to connect with students around us breaking down walls and trying to build trust that it takes to, to walk with students in their faith. And we know that having authentic relationships with teenagers especially will lead to opportunities to share Christ in meaningful ways. And, and so um, if you heard the announcement earlier, half of the kids that are a part of our youth group, their parents don't come to hope. 
Um, and I think that is such a huge win. That's such a good thing. And so this year, this past year, like they've been doing for a number of years, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, winter camps, summer camps and retreats, friendships are built and deep conversations are had about life and faith and helping each other follow Jesus. Let's check out this uh, quick video to see some highlights. I love what God's doing uh, in our ministry for our teenagers, so can we, uh, can we celebrate that our epic youth ministry points to Jesus with a yay, Jesus? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, those are all primarily kind of community groups and connections that way. It's how we follow Jesus together by doing discipleship in the context of community. But we also love others. We follow Jesus together by serving others, by what sometimes we call outreach. We follow Jesus together in doing outreach. And, and really, any healthy church needs to have vibrant outreach or we just become stagnant. Jesus said, Mark 16, 15, and he told them, go into all the where? World and preach the good news to who? Everyone. And then in Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Listen to these geography areas. Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when I see that, I think about that as kind of concentric circles where here's for them, like Jerusalem would be like local outreach. Um, and then Judea, the, the region would be kind of like our state, our, our nation to be a witness there. And then Samaria, Jesus said Samaria. And they had to be like, wait a minute, with the people who aren't like us, the people who are different from us, who, who we treat like enemies, Samaria, Jesus? Yeah, yep, yep. So he says to go there and to the ends of the earth. And that would be kind of this global outreach uh, paradigm. So, so as followers of Jesus, we want to do outreach like that as a community, finding the different ways to love and serve from local all the way to global and to do it together. And our generosity, the generosity of this church family is inspiring. So many of you give your time, your talent, um, your heart. And, and, you know, what I want to do um, is I'm going to list out some of these different areas. And just to save a little time, we're going to hold our yay Jesus till the end of these. And then we're going to do a huge one. Is that okay if we do that? Because I'm looking at the clock here. Okay, here we go. Number one, the Naomi house on the Navajo reservation. 
You guys, Hope Family, provided new clothing, shoes, socks, hygiene project, products for each child on the Navajo Reservation Children's Home. We also were able to send a team up one weekend because the house parents are there 24-7, and our team was able to come and give them a break, and our, our team watched the kids and did activities pretty amazing. Next one, Matthew's Crossing. We had robust food drives for Matthew's Crossing, which supported families in need in our area, in our city. Um, there are Hope's community, people from the Hope community um, who actually go to Matthew's Crossing every week and serve. I see some of you in the room here, and that is amazing as well. Next one I want to highlight, one mission came back this year. We were finally able to go back down to Puerto Penasco to Rocky Point, uh, Gary Boydson led a team of 17 people. The core of those 17 were here from Hope, and that team built a new home to bless a family in need uh, that they were able to get into and move into. That's one of our important things that we do, uh, and that's in Rocky Point, Mexico. Uh, next up, we had refugee teams, and this was a new thing for us. We actually had two refugee teams that came together. There was 10 people in each group, so 20 of you came together to assist two Afghan refugee families that were getting established in Mesa and Chandler. And one of the things that's fun about that is that some of the local refugee agencies that work with churches and other groups, they remarked that, that one church... Uh, our size, having that many people, having 20 people was unheard of. They were super impressed. Uh, and so I was like, yeah, that's a huge win. And that is the heart of the people at Hope. Um, another one that, that has just been a favorite of ours the last couple few years here is the Affordable Christmas Event which is where families at the San Marcos Elementary School, which is a Title I school over here in Chandler, um, some of their families who are most in need are able to buy Christmas presents through what we donate here at the church, but to do it in a way that provides some dignity for them. And uh, as a church, we provided 50, over 50 children um, gifts, um, 21 families, over 50 children were able to have a nicer Christmas because of your generosity. And, in fact, you guys give so well that there were so many, like, toys still left at the end of that that we contacted a Himalayan church in Phoenix that serves refugees from Nepal, um, and they get to introduce those Nepalese refugees who aren't Christian. They get to, oh, hey, let us tell you about Christmas. And we're going to sneak in with gifts. So it's really fun, really fun, really fun stories. Um, next one I want to highlight, campus ministries. There's two campus ministries that we've supported uh, on two different college campuses. Uh, Brandon Hodge with InterVarsity. We supported Brandon this whole year up until we stole him in December for our staff. Hallelujah. Sorry, oops, that, that might be a tender spot for someone else. But this is our family. Okay, so here we go. Um, and then the second one, Jessica Bonza. Some of you know her as somebody who attended here for a long time. She is in Pennsylvania working on a college campus with Coalition for Christ. We send monthly support to, to those last year. Um, and Jesus is really showing up for college students. Uh, next one I want to highlight. Some of you know this, and sometimes we just forget. But we as a church tithe to our denomination, um, and that's a partnership with the Evangelical Covenant Church, and that tithe um, that we send to our denomination supports global mission work, it supports church revitalizations, leadership development, healthy pastor programs, it supports church planting, and much, much 
more, and it's a good thing. It's a great partnership with our denominational tribe. Um, and then the last one before we have a big celebration here, we have two missionary families. Our two missionary families, uh, that's kind of that uttermost ends of the earth category of outreach, and we provide support for two international missionary families, the Delps, who are in Ecuador, and the Asazas in Colombia. They actually came and visit us this fall. So that's a bunch of the ways, and I miss some, I'm sure, but these are just a bunch of the ways that, that we get to do outreach and following Jesus together. It's one of the ways that we as a church get to point to Jesus. So can we celebrate the way we get to point to Jesus through outreach with a yay Jesus? Yay. Now, we do outreach out of love, right? We know we're not the big deal. We do community and discipleship out of love. We know we're not the big deal. Jesus is the big deal. And I'm just so excited that, that we get to point to Jesus as a church. And it is worth celebrating. It is worth uh, the party that we're calling this today. Um, and that's just all 2022. Lots of those things that I mentioned we're going to be doing in 2023. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to 2023. And, and I just want to spend the last... Give me seven, eight minutes here, pointing us ahead now toward 2023. Um, I want to unpack in another time some of what we think we heard from God about this upcoming year in our listening prayer time a few weeks ago. But two of the things that were really clear to us when a number of us came together for listening prayer, God, what are you saying to us for 2023? Two of the things were this. God's calling us to go, number one, deeper in our walk with him. Go deeper in him. Become more rooted that way, deeper in our faith, number one. And number two, reaching out. God's calling us to go deeper and to reach out. He's calling us to flow out from here to bring the life and blessing of God to the community around us and to reach out to people that we might not quite know how to love and serve yet. <laughs> so number one, going deeper. Number two, reaching out. And there was a particular part of that that just really struck me, because I think that could go in so many ways that we want to keep asking God to tell us more about. But, but, but going deeper in how we develop as a family and reaching out in ways that expand us as a family, really, really there was something that, that struck me. It reminded me of this high value that every once in a while we talk about here at Hope, that we want to be a multi-generational church family, right? Because in healthy families... You'd have people at every life stage. I mean, just imagine if you went to Thanksgiving dinner and everybody was a toddler. That'd be weird, yeah? It'd be interesting. It'd be horrible, yeah. But we want to look like the family of God by being multi-generational with, with kids and teens and young adults and young singles and couples and, and parents of kids and teens and, and then empty nesters like Heidi and I are and, and grandparents and seniors. We want to be a family of all generations. We're not just trying to cater to one type of consumer family, consumer generation um, because, again, we want not to just be one generation. That wouldn't look like a family. We want to be multi-generational that reflects the family of God, which, by the way, so does being a multi-ethnic family. Because um, it's going to be that way in heaven one day when we worship Jesus around the throne. So why wait until then? Let's do it now. 
but specifically with generations, um, and we look forward now into 2023 and think specifically about helping the next generation find and follow Jesus. And, and I just want to try something here. Um, I want you to raise your hand and keep it up if you have a grandchild. Raise your hand if you've got grandchildren. Keep your hand up. All right, now raise your hand if you have adult children and keep them up. I got both, so I'm going to run out of hands real quick here. Um, keep your hands up. Now, raise your hands if you have nieces or nephews who are adults or teens. Anybody raise your hands up? So that's quite a few of us. Now, leave your hands up, and I want you to keep your hands raised if all of your grandchildren, all your adult nieces and nephews and teens, if all of them are walking with God right now and they're attending a healthy church, keep your hands up. Yeah, there's a few that still have that happening. And for most of us, we don't. And I want you to put in your mind now a picture of one of those people who you love from another generation who aren't walking with God or attending a healthy church. Just have that in your mind. Then I want to ask us all a question, myself included. What, with that person's face in your mind, what would you be willing to risk as a church in order for us to be the kind of church where your loved ones or your younger neighbors who don't know Jesus can come and find and learn to follow him? What, what preferences would you be willing to forego so that we could be the kind of place where, where this generation that's growing up right now, they've grown up with broken families, with divorce and single parents, they've grown up with with broken sexuality and distorted messages about sex that leave them confused or, or thinking that our identity is found or our acceptance can be found on sexual preferences or attractions or, or this generation that, that has watched people that are, you know, church leaders turned into celebrities and then it turns out those church leader celebrities often turn out to be hiding major sin and so understandably they're now jaded this generation about church, or people of that generation who have grown up, especially the last six, seven years, seeing good church people, who people who say that we love Jesus and follow Jesus, and yet they watch us think it's okay to be mean, name-calling, angry, politicized folks who actually, it turns out, care more about winning elections than winning our world to Jesus. You put all that together, what this generation is dealing with and facing, and no wonder researchers call them the loneliest generation. It's really hard to find family with all that they are dealing with. And so for us as a church family, what preferences about worship style or how people dress or how the room gets set up or the volume of the music or the ages or experience of our pastoral staff, what preferences would we be willing to forego so that we could be the kind of place where a generation who's been inundated with all that stuff that I just laid out there, that they could begin to see Jesus in a family. They could see the real Jesus. They could find hope in Jesus, healing in Jesus, freedom in Jesus, in the family of Jesus. What would you and I be willing to do, to give up, to sacrifice, just to reach 50 more young people? How about just 25 more? 
What would be willing to sacrifice if it was just 10 more and help them take one step closer to finding and following Jesus? How about if it was just one more? And we might go, wait a minute, just one? Like, would, would that matter very much? Well, remember that person you're thinking of in your head? That loved one? What if that one was your kid? Or your grandchild? Your teenager? Then that one would matter. Wouldn't it? And for us, even the one, it matters. And I have a pretty good feeling, by the way, it's going to be far more than one. But again, it's not about the numbers because each one matters. They matter to God. They matter to us. This generation matters to God and it matters to us. And what we want is for God to make us one family, multi-generations, multi-ethnicities coming together under the family of God, to be a family of God, to be a real family that way. Worship team, will you come? As the worship team comes, I just um, have to sing an abbreviated version of this one. Um, one of the things I love about the Hope family is that our older generations, like, you, you do express great joy when you see younger generations join the party. I love that, when you see them follow Jesus. And so I am so proud of our church family. It's not like we're coming to a church family where people are, you know, mad about it. No, no, you guys are amazing that way. It's so good. And I think that's part of why God's going, I want to grow you guys even more in this and invite you to wonder what we would risk to be the kind of church where your loved ones or your younger neighbors who don't know Jesus can, can come and learn to follow Jesus. And so what would we be willing to sacrifice to bring these next generations one step closer to Jesus so we can point them to Jesus? And so... One of the things I just feel strongly about Hope Family in 2023 and beyond, we want to break down barriers between generations by loving and serving each other. Um, we want to break down those barriers because I think that kind of community is so unusual that just that alone will start pointing people to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, for that to happen, again, I'm inviting each of you to look for ways to live that out. And I felt like God didn't give me any specifics that he wanted us each to just be asking him. How do we live that out? How do we live that out in what we would be willing to give up or forego or a direction we want to go for this next generation? And I'm so confident in Christ in you. <laughs> um, and I'm so confident that you know it's all about Jesus. It's all about following Jesus together and pointing to Jesus. Like you guys all know this already. We know that it's, this is his church, right? This is Jesus' church. It's not my church. It's not our staff or elders' church. It's not even the members' church. Ultimately, hope this is Jesus' church. And we have his heart and, and Jesus' heart, his desire, I believe, is that we, his church family, would more and more move away from divisions and having to have preferences met and away from consumerism. And we'd move away from that stuff and we'd move towards following Jesus together. 
And so I want this song that we're about to sing, let it be an anthem. It's make us one, God. Make us one. I want this to be our prayer and an anthem for us as a church family. Will you guys stand? We'll sing together, and then I'll come up and close us out.